Welcome to Farcast. Now here's your host, Michael Farr. Welcome to the Farcast. I am Michael Farr. Thank you so much for joining us again this week in the dog days of July. Nice and warm and balmy here in Washington, D.C. and all around the East Coast. And I certainly know in New York and Chicago and further west, warm, warm, warm. Stocks have been staying warm, too. We have a new Supreme Court nominee. We have the president in the air traveling to NATO. We have uh, lots going on in terms of the Fang stocks and the beginning here of earnings season. Uh, we're getting uh, heated up for that as well. Uh, and we've got a great program for you this evening. We've got Jim Urio, the great Jim Urio, coming in from Chicago tonight. We have Dan Mahaffey from the Center for the Study of the Presidency and Congress. They are experts, expert on everything going on inside Washington and its effects around the world. And my very good friend from the Washington Post, Tom Heath, is with us tonight. And we're we're going to be talking a wide range of what's going on with investors. Uh, he, he is a very longtime serving columnist with the Washington Post, and I say that only because it irritates him every year. Remember that on the forecast, we believe that money is hard to make. We believe that old-fashioned research, hard work, discipline, and patience are the keys to successful investing. And we believe that emotion is the foe of the long-term investor. If you're feeling fearful or ebullient, really excited that this is going to be easy money, stop. Go talk to a friend, phone a friend, call Regis Philbin. I don't care. Just don't do anything with your money about it. Uh, Take a breath. So if you look at the CNBC website, and Jim Urio uh, and I are CNBC contributors for a lot of years, you will see an article on CNBC.com that says just three stocks are responsible for most of the market's gains this year. Amazon, Netflix, and Microsoft are responsible, listen to this, for 71% of the S&P 500 returns and 78% of the NASDAQ 100 returns. So if you don't own at least one or two, if not all three, you're probably behind. You're probably lagging, not doing as well. And then the question is, if you've got a stock that's up well over, so Netflix, up 117%, one stock up 117% in six months. Is that really an appropriate stock uh, for Fred and Ethel to hold, right? Does that make any sense? My answer is no. When you look at the fundamentals, no, it doesn't. It doesn't have the earnings. It doesn't have the balance sheet. And anything that can go up 117%, I'm going to tell you, my friend Urio is going to tell you can go down 117%. Anyway, uh, let's go right now to Chicago uh, to my great friend, uh, Jim Urio. Welcome, Jim, back to the Farcast, one of our favorite guests of all times. Thank you for having me, Michael. I appreciate it. You the man. Uh, so, listen, tell, we've got tariffs to talk about, and we want to talk about oil and everything else, but what do you think about this concentration of fang stocks, and what do you think about... Talk to us about Netflix for a minute, if you can, and what does it mean when a tech stock goes up 117% in six months? It, it's staggering. I, I, I'd like to say it's like nothing I've seen before, but it is like things I've seen before, and we've seen it in Bitcoin. We saw it in the run-up in the tech bubble in the early part of the century. It's terrifying to me. I'm, I'm not in Netflix specifically, but you know, I always um, use options to hedge my portfolio. And I'm thinking of not just hedging it with the index. I'm considering 
put spreads and some sort of put packages and Netflix too. Because I think when, when things crack, when Netflix cracks specifically, I think it's going to crack hard. Okay, so when you say you use these option strategies, uh, is that something everybody should think about doing? I mean, should Fred and Ethel be thinking no. about options? Sadly, no. I no. think that if people learned about options, but it's something that takes every you know every day to be looking at them to learn their characteristics and personalities. It's like the most powerful power tool in the garage. If you know how to use it, you can build very quickly. But if you don't know how to use it, you can lose a finger. So, I, I like that. That's I, I a great analogy. That. I love it. That's really really good. I'm going to use that. That's fabulous. <laughs> I mean, you know, and when I was when I was uh, learning about options uh, some 30 years ago, watch Heath smile when I say 30 years ago, when I was learning about options 30 years ago, um, you know, one of the things they said was the worst thing that can happen to you in your first options trade is that you'll make money. Amen. Right? I agree with that kind of thing 100% too. And I can extend that even to a lot of my, when I day trade, and I day trade on a daily basis, but I'd prefer to put on trades that have like several week time horizons. The worst thing that can ever happen to me is a couple winners in a row, and then I begin thinking I'm a genius. You know what we ought to do? You ought to send like 80% of your money to Far Miller to manage, and I'll send 20% of my money to you to manage. And you well, do the well, aggressive why I get stuff. 20 and you get 80. I don't because, like that at all. No, no, no. Yes, you do. Because I'm going to keep you solvent, you see, a really uh, long okay. time. I'm, gonna, all right. I, I, I'm like your mother's money manager, really. You know, it's, it's, well, I start out with the, you know, Hippocratic oath of do no harm to the extent right. I'm that, with I'm, you, that I'm able to. Yeah, don't screw it up. This stuff was hard to make. Okay. So uh, we're seeing, we saw them, but basically, the market's gotten a little bit softer since, even though it's holding up okay, but since mid-June, kind of seemed to me to be about right around the tariff talks, yes? Yes, and tariff talks were interesting. Up until this, like a week ago, we had been worried about tariffs, and then all of a sudden, it, to me, it seemed like a, um, a buy the rumor, sell the fact kind of uh, kind of event, and all of a sudden, when they were about to be implemented, the stocks rallied almost 4% up until today, and now the S&P came across that I think is a psychological and important technical level, that 2800 And even this afternoon, it's pulled back a bit. Now, we're blaming it on additional tariff talk. Apparently, um, something came out of the White House that it was $200 billion, or I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, there's a to... rumor now. There's a tweet coming out that they're going to be $200 billion, $200 billion in additional tariffs. And the Chinese are already talking about how they're going to retaliate. Sure. You know, now maybe I've got this wrong. And, and I'm going to ask uh, uh, Tom Heath about this, too, when when. When, when we get on, um, or just chime in, uh, Tom, it's, 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 it's all good. But, I mean, uh, this is, a trade war is a war, right? And, I mean, it's like talking to a general who says we've got the perfect plan in place. We're going to get in and out of this war quickly with minor casualties, and we're going to win. When does that ever happen? It doesn't seem to, and I really I don't like it any more than you do, but I think there's something we have to remind ourselves as well, is that whether you think that the tariff talk is ridiculous and whether you think it's, it's misguided, the one thing that cannot be argued yeah. is that the administration is a aggressive advocate for the corporate sector here, and that's something that's relatively new over the last <clears> few <throat> years. So it might be misguided. But it's not all bad, and we have to remember that, that he's taken a swing for the corporate sector in the U.S. Yeah, and, you know, uh, we did not have a level playing field. Uh, We just didn't. The United States, you know, has been disadvantaged, and they're trying to get it back to even. Absolutely. We don't have a 
uh, no, we do not have a level playing field. So he's trying to correct that. At least he's trying. At least he's speaking up about it. Yeah, no, and and I, and, and I think it resonates with a lot of people, right? Yes. A, a, a lot of people. But it's it, you, you do run into the problem of, okay, uh, this is a good idea to go and attack until, you, you know, it happens in your backyard and you're the soybean farmer and all of a sudden, you know, they've got 60% of our soybeans going into China and there's going to be tariffs placed on those and all of a sudden you're not selling as many soybeans and the you know that those farmers soybean farmers are are big part Can't of Can't you sell space. the soybeans somewhere else? I mean that's fungible. Everybody uses soybeans, right? I mean we well, all consume soybeans. Out. I mean I, mean, I don't go home and eat soybeans, but they're in all the stuff we I eat, but, right? Yeah, Tom, are you saying that if if you had the levers in front of you, you'd pull these exact same levers I, or does it worry you a little bit? Does it makes me a little nervous all the talk and you know seeing the stocks go up and down and gyrations but I think that a certain level of Trump fatigue has set in and people, you know, the guy likes to mouth off. He likes attention. He likes to say, you know, crazy stuff and scare everybody. But he hasn't nobody has really fired across the bow yet, except for last week, I guess, a little bit. So, you know, it makes me a little nervous when people talk like that. But, you know, Good I haven't nothing. Nothing has really shaken me up yet. In fact, you know, I think the market is agreeing that, well, you know, he's. We'll just wait and see what happens. I think there's a lot of that. Well, we go from bombast to, like, photo op with this guy, right? I mean, we go from you're short and fat and you're a dotard and something else, whatever the hell that exactly. is. Exactly. He was going to bomb the guy one day, and now he's, like, what is he, sending Elton John records I saw this afternoon? Like, he's, I mean, it's crazy Seriously, stuff. Elton John nah, There was some rumor on one of the TV channels, yeah, that he was, like, you know, getting cozy with, with the Mike Corleones. Of, him, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Michael Buble was unavailable. Yeah, uh, exactly. God. Exactly. I mean, he just says anything. Okay. Well, something has to be done, and this is this president's approach, and he clearly negotiates out in public. Okay. So the tariffs, how do you think this works out for us, Jim Urio? Uh, I think that it eventually goes away. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, we still have the lowest tariffs of any of our trade partners, and I, I think that. If it got bad, like if the asset prices, and I know that Wilbur Ross came out last week and said, we're, we're, we're not looking at stock prices. Well, guess what? Sure they are. If all of a sudden it started hurting the stock market and, and popularity was waning for these things, I think we would back off the talk. So I'm not particularly worried. As it affects the stock market today, I think the stock market was priced for somewhat perfection going into this morning. And I think we pull back 50 handles in the S&P right now, but I think it's more of a buying opportunity going into earnings season. I, well, I agree with Jim, but you got to remember, Trump himself is, what, he's got a couple of billion dollars, and I know he inflates it to six or eight or whatever he is, 12, but he's completely vested in this economy. I mean, the guy's a rich guy, so he's got a lot to lose. I mean, it'll reach him one way or the other sooner or if later, he tanks yeah. the economy, if he ruins everything and brings it all down. He'll feel it, and his kids will feel it, and his grandkids or whoever's running around there. You know, he's going to feel it. So I think he's vested in this. You're crazy. He's like all so of us. So you've got Tom Heath here channeling Adam Smith, and the pursuit of self-interest is a good thing Thank for you. the president. There you go. I, that's, that's, more, that's as much credit as I can give you, Heath. Who's Adam know. Smith? Never mind. What teams uh, he play for? Uh, Giants. Um, Oil, uh, 74 and a quarter in a barrel for, for oil. Is that, are you paying attention to that, Jim Urio? I am. When it hit 75, it was kind of my target over the last couple of weeks. But my belief is this. The OPEC particularly saw it. He talked about increasing production levels last week, remember? And my belief is that they're kind of underselling uh, um, what they're really going to do. Because on one hand, they want to keep the price a little bit artificially inflated. In my opinion, if they were going to increase by, by 2 million, they'd say they were going to increase by 1 million. Yeah, and yeah, they always think- cheat. 
Right. We'd figure it out eventually, and the price would uh, accommodate that. But you know, for the short time, I think they're trying to keep it up. And I also think that Donald Trump putting pressure on Saudi Arabia may help, too, and them increase production. So I think you know, gas prices have risen $1.20 in the last two years. That's a relatively big deal in our economy. You know, we go through 150 billion uh, gallons of, uh, of gas in a year. So that takes these money. And I understand that the integrated oil companies make a lot of money when gas goes high, too, and there's a balance there. But on net-net, if it goes higher, I think it could be bad for the economy. What point do you not, not, not like it going higher? Jim? Above 85, uh, I'd yeah. say. If you look at the you know, five-year and the 20-year chart, right now we're kind of in a mid-range. And right now we can make the argument, oh, it's good for Exxon, but yeah. kind of bad for the little guy, as Fred Nethel, as Michael likes to call him. If it starts to go above 85 and then it has 100 in sights, then we start talking about the exactly. negative economic effect. It's, a, it's at a sweet spot right now. 75 but is pretty nice, to, right? Well, it, That's what how, I about, how about on the micro level? How about when Fred and Ethel go to the fill up every week? Are they feeling that yet? Little they bit. Almost. They're about yeah. to feel it, huh? Tom. You yeah. think so, too? Yes. I mean, I think $3, when you start getting a 3 it becomes a great white shark. Like, what? Oh, my God. I think until then, you know, they'll notice it. But, you know, you have that, whoa, $3. Two ninety nine is okay. Yeah. And a lot of people feel it. A lot of people, you know, drive a long way to work. They don't get to live close to where they work. They have to drive a long way. They when feel they that few extra bucks. When do they When do they Never, they never. And ladies and gentlemen. There you go. The tips are flying ladies out Ladies and gentlemen, already. we've got to go uh, to uh, Jim Murio's restaurant. Uh, tell us just quickly about the restaurant, will you, Jim? It's called Brantza Palatine. It's an old Capone joint in Palatine, Fabulous. Illinois. It was bootlegging and a, a you know a speakeasy back in uh, in the in the Prohibition, and uh, we do great business and sell great hamburgers and ribs. I'm coming. Great hamburgers Good. and ribs. Where is it? Palatine. Palatine, 30 miles northwest Brantz. of the Loop. Brantz and Palatine. You got to go. Everybody's got to go quickly because we have to go. Uh, Jim Murio, <laughs> tell me about the yield curve flattening. I'm within about 25, 28 basis points. So I got a quarter of a point difference, but in yield between the two-year Treasury and the ten-year Treasury, historically that's not a good sign. And what happens when the Fed raises interest rates another quarter of a point in September? I got like 35 seconds here. Hit me. It it doesn't worry me until it goes inverted. And this time, even if it goes inverted, it might not worry me. There's a lot of exogenous factors here. There's central banks that have been buying and distorting for years. I hate to be the guy who says this time it's different, but guess what? This time it's different. I love it. You are the best, Jim Murio. I hope you'll come back on the Farcast. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know what's happening on Wall Street, tune into the Farcast. Why? Because we get Jim Murio on from Chicago to come and explain it to us, and we're all so much smarter when we listen to Murio. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to us on the Farcast. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back. You're listening to Farcast. Now more with Michael Farr and the Farcast. And welcome back to the Farcast. I am Michael Farr. Thank you so much for joining us again on the Farcast every week. And thank you for the notes and the emails. Thank you for the tweets about the Farcast and for sharing it on social media. Thank you for carrying us around in your earbuds, in your cars, on your laptops, in your offices and homes. We hope you're getting uh, a lot of information out of, uh, out of our forecast, and we thank you for the notes and questions we've been getting back. You know, it's, it's these wonderful people who come on and help us and share so much of their knowledge and information. Dan Mahaffey from the Center of the Study of the Presidency is our senior political analyst here on the forecast. You just got a promotion, Mahaffey. Okay. You're senior now. Is that senior? Good? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's exceptionally brilliant and really tuned in, has studied around the world, has studied in Asia and China, has his master's degree from Georgetown University, um, and, and, and just he writes for Politico and a bunch of other stuff. This is a smart guy who totally gets the inside Washington. So tell it. And what does it mean to, to Wall Street? Because stuff that happens in Washington really matters to Wall Street. And we've got a new Supreme Court. You told us last yes. week, if you're listening to the forecast, we have Mahaffey. Say, Mahaffey, what's happening to the court? He goes, Brett Kavanaugh. That was it. You heard it here first on the forecast. Tell us about Brett Kavanaugh time. Well, just as long as you promise to not actually play the tape and say uh, who I suggested. But uh, we have the uh, never <laughs> we have the uh, pick with Brett Kavanaugh. Amazing. Uh, we saw it with Gorsuch, too, that this White House that leaks uh, like the Titanic manages to keep the SCOTUS picks Supreme Court acronym. They keep the picks. Uh, close to the chest. SCOTUS, it just sounds dirty, doesn't yeah. it? I know. It's just, it's but they, uh, I know, it's a family SCOTUS? show. I'll, I'll yeah. keep the SCOTUS out of it. Right. Uh, but with the Supreme Court picks, they, they have this list. They keep it close. Uh, they had four justices. Kavanaugh was one of them. Uh, and they went with a pick that uh, many people thought, okay, his ties to the Bush administration, right, right. both Bush administrations, uh, would disqualify him. Uh, but he had a, a long record of jurisprudence, uh, definitely an establishment Republicans pick, a Washington, D.C. Uh, insider. And it shows that even though there are the blowups between the White House and traditional Republicans, when it comes to the Supreme Court and the conservative legal movement, uh, they're still working hand in hand. Do you think this will be the most important legacy of the Trump presidency? I think it will be generationally. And it, uh, you have the ability uh, with now two court replacements, uh, possibly another uh, in the future. Um, you certainly uh, want understand why many Republicans, uh, despite their doubts about President Trump, went in and voted for him with for this opportunity to reshape the so court. So Justice Kennedy was seen as the swing vote on a lot of issues, uh, though I, my impression was more to the liberal side of the court than the conservative side of the court. Is that fair? Well, there was a certain extent where at least on uh, women's rights, reproductive rights, LGBTQ rights, uh, that he was moderate on the social issues. Moderate on social issues. When it came to yeah. matters of regulation, corporate affairs, as we saw um, even the rulings on the, uh, the recent uh, immigration case, he would swing back and forth between the two. Uh, if you believe those who try and apply saber metrics to judges like they're baseball players, uh, Kavanaugh is going to be much more in the mold of Clarence Thomas uh, and uh, when it comes to this, uh, his uh, positioning. Okay, so now when we hear that the court was sort of five to four with a conservative bent, it, it, you know, has, is, it, is it six three now, conservative? I think it's going to be— Is that fair? Can you look at it that way? I think you'll still look at it as being far more conservative, uh, more reliably. You'll see less swings, um, but there will still be the pressure on Chief Justice Roberts uh, to keep the court to a certain extent out of major political issues, as he did with the Affordable Care Act uh, decision, where he actually sided with the liberals uh, on the court because he wanted to avoid a situation where the court— uh, waded in too far to politicize an issue. That was the the reading of that. And he's now the swing vote. Um, I thought the conservatives got that wrong, by the way, with, with Justice Roberts, because what Justice Roberts came out and, and, and said was that he thought the Affordable Care Act was a tax. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and what you didn't see the conservatives do was say, see, there the Democrats go taxing you. The Supreme Court just called it a tax. Yeah. It's a tax. And the Democrats just did it to you. And the they didn't do that. The Republicans were quiet. They didn't. They 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 they, they handed them a hammer and a china plate mm-hmm. and they just sat there and stared at it. Well, and there's still this political challenge that for the Republicans touching health care, uh, as we've discussed on this show, once people got that health care and the ability to uh, take advantage of Obamacare and the provisions within, they like it. The protections for pre-existing conditions, very popular. Um, and that will, I think, be a contentious issue in these upcoming confirmation hearings are his thoughts on some of these health care cases. Is he going to get in? Is he going to go through? That's what I want to know. Is he yes, gonna get- I think he will. Farr says yes. Mahaffey says, says yes. yes. I think it'll be a little slower given all the documents that they're going going to run to review from such a, a long career in Washington. But they have the votes, But they right? do have the votes. Is they it 5149 or what's it? Do they get a couple I of think, Democrats? I think, think you're going to get Manchin. The pressure, as long as there's not something that's truly heinous in this past history of his, his emails, um, there's going to be pressure on Republicans to toe the line and some of the red state Democrats uh, to to join in as well. Does not look like a heinous guy. Did not look like a heinous guy on TV last night. Oh, he looked like Howdy Doody on TV last night. He had his parents in the audience. He had his Monsignor Monsignor John Ensler's in the audience. Exactly. You know? Yes, Mrs. Cleaver. Yes, it's exactly right. Like like, like Wally Cleaver. Come on, leave it to Beaver. Uh, uh, Worse, I think he was close to the Eddie Haskell, really. Uh, Yeah, Eddie. You look lovely tonight, Mrs. Cleaver. (laughs) Doing something different with your hair. I mean, yeah, so, and and he quotes his mother, who who was the hard worker, who went and got her law degree. I think he teared up a little bit at that. She, I thought I'm like, I thought did, like yeah. he did tear. He didn't go into his dad, though. He didn't talk much about his dad, unless I missed that part. I was I, listening oh, he, to the whole mother gave, thing. He gave a lip great. service to the dad. It was great on the on the mother thing. So, and, and you think that uh, even if it's close, Vice President Pence has the swing vote. He and, has the swing vote there. And uh, you're good to go. Yeah, and it'll be the issue with uh, John McCain's health continues to be Can I ask you another there. question, Dan? What about Dick Durbin's uh, uh, suggestion that the Democrats in Trump states still uh, vote for vote against it and take the hit for the party? Well, it's a question of whether these uh, individuals see their future as being within the Democratic Party or without. And for a moderate Democrat right now and the trends you're seeing in that party, you don't have a lot of longevity uh, imagining a, a future in the Democratic Party. Could you see Manchin switching? Could you see Manchin becoming a Republican? I'm surprised he's still a Democrat, frankly. frankly Trump, Trump took right. that state by 41 points. Correct. Frankly, I am, too. I think the you know West Virginia politics is something that will always be uh, a branch outside our, our normal <laughs> politics. But it <laughs> is everything interesting. Else. That, yeah, like yeah. I was going to say, West Virginia is out there, but. Hey, we've got a lot of listeners in West Virginia. We love you. We love all. them. We love, I love West, West Virginia. Gorgeous, gorgeous country. Yes, in West Virginia. It is just, gorgeous. Just keep your mountaintops where they are. <laughs> On the tops of the mountains <laughs> is yep. what we, where we like your mountaintops. Yes. Uh, that, 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 mm, not, yes. not, uh, yes. So we love West Virginia and all of God's children everywhere. So uh, we think that this, how's this going to change what goes on in the court? Anything? I mean, the big question that everybody keeps raising is Roe versus Wade. Roe okay. versus Wade. This is this guy's going to change it. He's a Catholic. He went to Georgetown Prep. Now, what is the deal with Georgetown Prep? By the way, Jay Powell, who's chairman of the Federal Reserve, went to Georgetown Prep. Neil Gorsuch, the last guy Trump nominated in Georgetown Prep, got confirmed. Now we got another Georgetown Prep Catholic. I mean, what's going on in Washington? Quality of a Jesuit education. There you go. Well, you got to love a Jesuit education, and indeed, I have one. 
yeah, Gonzaga too. College High School. But I'm feeling like, you know, I rode the short bus to school or something uh, over there. We don't have any Supreme Court justices or chairman of the Federal Reserve or anything. We've got some good guys at Gonzaga. Sorry, fellow alums. Bishop Blood in High School, Syracuse, New York. Sisters of St. Francis. Let me tell you. They weren't Jesuits, but... But they, yeah, had a, they were there with you. They had a brass ruler. Yeah, exactly. Kept, kept <laughs> exactly. you in line. <laughs> they literally did, didn't they? Didn't yes, they have I got whacked. A cup. Not in high school. No, I never got whacked in high school. I got, I got hit and beat up a little bit in grammar school. Um, I, I, you know, I actually think that the Jesuit education and formation is actually important and a really mm-hmm. good thing for some of these guys. Yes. Uh, yeah, good mixture of practical skills, logic, faith, and values, and the uh, idea of service for others. He even spoke of it last night. He did. Uh, a man for others, which is the Jesuit motto. It was the motto at Gonzaga, be a man for others. And one of the things, you know, when I was taking religion classes, and I'm not a particularly religious person, but uh, when I was taking religion classes at Gonzaga in high school, the Jesuits would say, Here, look, here's the way you do religion, which was awesome, because they'd tell you that. You know, <laughs> The Jesuit will just look at you. Here's the way you do religion. You pray as if everything in your life depends upon God, and then you work in your life as if everything depends upon you, and you'll end up in the right place. I mean... You paid attention. That was a, I can't was believe a, you just... I actually thought that that made the most practical advice about, you know, how to work, your, how to work at your uh, spiritual life that anybody else had given me. And believe me, I had the nuns, too. They, they had lots of instructions and thoughts about the various ways I would certainly go to hell. <laughs> so, uh, and, they're, and look, they're not wrong yet. They're you make not, too much money, you're going to hell. Absolutely. You know, the camel through the eye of the needle thing? Exactly. Whoa! I'm looking, Whoa! Did you like I that? I think it's an oxen, isn't it? Uh, I think it's an ox. It's not. It's a camel, and I'm I've been praying for years for really big needles. That's what you need. Really, we need really huge big, needles. Huge needles. So, uh, uh, tell me what he's going to do in NATO. And I've got like a minute and a half. Okay, so he's on the plane there now. The We've, president, we, is, yeah, is President he, Trump is on the way back, yes. uh, on the way to Brussels, and then he's going to meet with Putin. And then so, he's going to meet with uh, yes, Prime Minister May, if she's still Prime Minister, and uh, and Putin. <laughs> is that a real thing? Is that a real threat? I think the Conservative Party in Britain is go- is going to hold for now. I will I will defer to anyone who's a better British politics expert. It's hard enough to keep up with U.S. politics. Uh, but Tom, he's nodding his head. He no, thinks May's I, out. I, I like the beer in Britain, but I, I don't know enough about the politics yeah. to speak intelligently. Are you, so are you saying Theresa May's out? Or? I thought she was going to go, but, you know, it seems very uncertain. Trump was saying, a lot of turmoil, a lot of turmoil. It's going to be bad. I love it. My money's on Mahaffey. I, d- I just don't know who in that party, other than Boris Johnson, wants to take over that barrel of monkeys right now. Absolutely. So what is he going to do in NATO? So in NATO, we, he, the, he the wasn't tweets nice we're seeing are, he was not the nice G7, at the G7, G7 yeah. said that NATO is almost as bad or worse than NAFTA. Uh, the European Union uh, uh, trade that we, we have this balance. And of, of course, he thinks NATO is some kind of dues paying club uh, where all the other members are in arrears. Um, and it's, it's a challenge of look. Every president wants NATO and European allies to spend more and do more. Uh, but this is not a, a time to be showing those kind of divisions so publicly. And to tie it to to trade with the European Union uh, is another we could go on and on about the complications. You know, he talked about farmers. Look, you'll have an easier deal with the North Koreans than you will with a French cheese farmer. But is he going to go? So what I want to know is when he goes to when he goes to talk to the, about the French cheese at NATO, uh, is he, is there going to be an upset or a blow up from this NATO meeting? Well, we're, 
we're going to see whether he can. Uh, Markets give, don't like those. They don't like those. And Jens Stoltenberg, the NATO Secretary General, has done a very good job of highlighting the progress and managing this relationship. It's whether he'll hold some of those grudges with Merkel, uh, with the Canadians, with Trudeau. Uh, if he brings those with him into this summit, we're going to have that blow up. And it's not going to be becoming before meeting with President Putin. Okay, we're going to talk about President Putin when we come back with Tom Heath. I hope you'll stay with us. You'll stay with us, Dan Mahaffey. When we come back from the break, we're coming into a hard break right now. In Washington, D.C., thanks for listening to The Farcast. We're going to be right back with Tom Heath and Dan Mahaffey. And Ian Stolenberg. And Stolenberg. <laughs> and I, oh, my God, am Michael Farr. You're listening to Farcast. And welcome back to the Farcast. I am Michael Farr. Thank you so much for being with us again. We've had a couple of great segments. Jim Urio talking to us about what's going on with interest rates and around the world and the price of oil and the stock prices and tariffs and everything else that's going to affect investing and investing and investors for the next several weeks and over the balance of the summer. Fascinating guy. You've got to watch him on CNBC. Go to his restaurant in Chicago for all of our Chicago listeners. This is a best burger in Chicago. Take it from me. You don't like it, I'll pay for it. Let me know. All right. Now, uh, we had Dan Mahaffey, of course, as we do every week as our senior political uh, commentator, analyst. Uh, I'll, I'll think of something uh, that's even more, makes you sound more important than that, <coughs> Mahaffey. Really interesting discussing NATO and the Supreme Court pick. Yeah. Uh, and, and Jim uh, and uh, Tom Heath is here from the Washington Post. Uh, it does the investing column at the Washington Post. has been writing there for years and years and years and years. How come you say, uh, you know, Mahaffey's the, oh, this really smart guy and Jim Miro, brilliant guy. And we get to Tom Heath. Hey, he's been there a long time. You, know. you so picked up on that. Oh, we're, coming, we're, coming to, think... we're coming to Tom in a little while right after Putin. Get... Go ahead. <laughs> Just wondering. Just, get... Just asking. Harry, hand Tom that bowl of tapioca over there, will you? <laughs> the plane has landed in Brussels. Something, we'll get to Tom. Something soft. He'll like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to uh, end up on you, buddy. <laughs> Dan Mahaffey, because we're going to go, this, this flows right into what we're going to talk to uh, Tom Heath about. Uh, the president's going to meet with President Putin uh, in Russia. Why? Part of it is his belief that the, the deal between the United States and Russia is something that presidents have tried uh, to carry out and figure out since the end of the Cold War, and that he, perhaps the master dealmaker, uh, can make some deal on sanctions, on oil prices, on a range of other factors, Ukraine, the Baltics, Iranians, and Syria. Uh, he believes that there is an opportunity for him to make a deal with Russia, um, and there are going to be some who say, uh, you know, certainly that the the Russians are, are have favored Trump and they certainly did. There was no love lost between uh, Putin and, and uh, Hillary Clinton during her time as secretary of state. Even, no. um, But there is a, a desire among this administration. What kind to of make a, deal, a deal, though? What do they yeah. want? What's he, he's not going to give Ukraine of... back or whatever he's taken on. What's he well, he's, they want to hold They want recognition to hold on to Crimea. They want you know, they're still. Uh, going to nurse the grudges about NATO expanding into the Baltics. Uh, for Putin, the, the breakup of the Soviet Union, the Soviet Empire, was the saddest uh, moment in history in his life, formative as a KGB officer sitting there in Dresden, 
uh, famously calling Moscow for instructions, and the line was dead. And the line was dead. Is that a true story? That is a true story about Putin. And that is the <laughs> uh, probably the single most formative experience in a young KGB officer's so life. So tell that story again. Tell us. I love being time. on this show. I learn all this new stuff. Don't you stuff? I've the never heard that. Berlin Wall's uh, coming down. Putin's there. He's the KGB officer in Dresden. Uh, it was supposed to be sort of a, a plum posting when you're a KGB officer, but he gets sent to this backwater East German industrial town, uh, and everything's going up. The people are taking to the streets. They're looting the uh, the Stasi, the internal intelligence headquarters. Mm-hmm. And Putin is there dialing Moscow for instructions wow. on how to handle the crowd, burn the documents, and there's no answer. Uh, and that moment of Soviet slash Russian weakness, uh, he sees as a, a geopolitical strategy, a op- uh, tragedy. It opened a vacuum that the United States uh, filled that we've tried to overthrow uh, various other autocrats uh, like him around the world and the belief that we were coming for him next. Um, and and certainly with Trump, he sees someone who is happy to let autocracies be autocracies. I have a Russia question. Why do why do we care about Russia? Other than they have a lot of oil and some nukes, what what do they have anymore? A lot I mean, of oil, uh, an, a lot of nukes. But there is, you're correct in that assessment, that the, the demographic spiral in Russia is is terrible, that they're, uh, they're the population shrinking. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an like, economy roughly the size of the Netherlands. Um, oh, my God. But there are still... But they support a lot of bad guys around yeah, the world, They do. Too. They, 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 they instigate. Are, they're very effective at shipping weaponry around the world. They are still a significant player in terms of... Uh, we've seen what they can do with hybrid warfare, how they invaded Crimea and Ukraine. Well, even by supporting Syria, it gives Syria chops. I mean, why does Syria have chops? Syria doesn't have any chops when yeah. they stand no, against Assad the would, United States. No, uh, Assad would be dead in a ditcher in The Hague if it weren't for <laughs> Russia. Exactly. And, they, and they messed around in our election, right? They messed around in the election. They continue to fight an information war uh, against the United States. The idea, they don't even have to disprove anything. They're, they they flood the zone with so many different false stories that no one has a concept of what the truth is. And they is. just killed some some people with poison stuff in, in London, right? Correct. Allegedly. 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 Novichik, whatever that's I know Boris says. isn't here, so you have they're, to say Yeah, we'll have to get to Boris. we got to wait. No. But the, yeah, the Novichok uh, nerve Novichok. agent. Yeah, there were no around. witnesses to this crime. Yeah. Uh, Reagan and uh, Gorbachev. I thought they got. I thought they dealt pretty well with each other. Tom, did who you? Reagan and Gorbachev? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, you I know, mean, trust but verify or whatever it is. Trust but verify. Take down the wall. Yeah, Reagan got did. the wall. Gorbachev taken was down. like I mean, he, he's no Putin, right? Gorbachev was a good guy compared to Putin, right? Gorbachev was not a KGB, right? Trying to reformer, trying to open it up, trying to understand that the. The Soviet economy uh, was in a death spiral and had to be opened up. They were going down the tubes because we had the arms war and they were trying to keep up, right? In my, in my little knowledge, well, certain, is yeah, that it? Correct. Like, exactly. He and, bankrupted and Putin, him. And Putin now. He bankrupted him. Putin yes. now is probably the wealthiest man in the world. Could, could easily be. Come on, could he? What? Could easily be. Yeah, yeah the combination of the, the oligarchs and the kickbacks. And you, you certainly see all these characters who are taking an official salary of, uh, you know, 25000 uh, you know, for every couple of months. Dresden real estate. Yeah. Sounds your, like he was playing your, on the side. Does your boss Bezos know that Putin might have more money? How's he going to feel I, about I, that? I can't comment on you. <laughs> but, uh, he, he swears me to science. I, does you know, he? Yeah, yes. He said, Tom, you know, this is all Tom, private. This he, is inside he, stuff. It's, it talk a lot. I cannot comment. It's a lot of conversation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Tom, let's go back. Tell us about the, tell us about the markets. Uh, you listen to um, Jim Murio 
we, we know what's going on around the world. Are we vulnerable now in the markets? Does this feel okay to you? What do you think investors I'm feeling think? good. Markets were green today. How many days have we had up? Three or four yeah, days yeah, yeah. in a row. Yeah. We're back. There's been no tweets as of... Well, as well, of a we few minutes ago. Well, we just had a $200 billion so, tweet. So, what, did that tweet actually come out? Because uh, there were rumors of it when I left the office, and then I heard. Uh, that, U.S. So readying seen, new uh, tariffs. There we go. So down day tomorrow. $200 billion of Chinese Probably goods. down day tomorrow. I'm probably going to have crazy. I think it's been pretty good. The, the Dow is up what, about 1% for the year. Okay, so it hasn't crashed. The S&P is up single digits, 6, 7, yes. 8. I don't and think I think yet. NASDAQ's up 12 so what's big, the yeah. you know things are pretty good yeah every, I mean it's perfect economy right we had a great jobs report the other day four percent unemployment people are looking for work there's no sign of inflation so the, the only thing that's gonna, good you're bullish aside from well aside and yes I mean aside from a war or an exogenous event um, you know we're, <laughs> I got to tell you when Uriel <laughs> met, said the word exogenous I, I mean, thought Heath was going to jump out of the chair he went running for the thesaurus. I thought it was some it was lotion like, I should put on exogenous. <laughs> But put some exogenous on your SCOTUS. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But the only thing that's going to tank all this is a war or uh, uh, interest rates going up, and they're not going to raise interest rates. Uh, Father Jay Powell is going to keep it going. Uh, He doesn't have to raise interest rates because. there's no sign of inflation, not, right? Hey, so oh, things hey, are pretty hey, good. Hey, wait a minute. Things are pretty. Are you suggesting yeah. that the Fed's not going to raise rates in September? Well, I'm. Th- uh, you'd know more about this than I, but a couple of times, but they're not going to rush to anything, right? And maybe do they pull back or something when the economy's going so well and 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 the uh, uh, unemployment rate is almost a you know sweet spot. I, and you know, oil is under control. Seventy four bucks. You know, two two eighty six a gallon. I think it's nationwide today. You know what that was in nineteen seventy about. 40 cents. Yeah, I'd, I remember I'd take that. that. I'd well, take that. I mean, my mother was like crazy then. Like, that's it going to 40 cents, 50 cents. That used to be a quarter. You know, what kind of world? The world's going to hell. No, I mean, dad yeah. would hand me $5 yeah. to go get exactly. the car. Exactly. Yeah, I get fill $5. Up the tank. Fill five up dollars. the tank. Here's five bucks. And your car would get eight miles to the gallon, right? Oh, who cares? Galaxy 500. Who cares? Nobody but cares. now, I mean, two two eighty, and that's not going to I mean, it's 40 cents a gallon. Who yeah. cares? And it's 74 it bucks. The oil companies are making a lot of money. Yeah. They're not drilling. They're not finding new oil because the investors were angry that you're spending, you're, you're going out, you're flooding the market with oil. The prices won't go up. We want higher dividends. We want buybacks. So that's what they're doing. We're so going to get into well, a trade can, war here, and, and, and the Fed raises rates, and, and, and the yield curve inverts, and we go into recession, and everything goes to hell in a handbasket, and we're all going to be broke. Do you really believe we're going to go? Do you really believe we're going to get a trade for it? Let, I want to hear Michael Farr say the trade war is coming. I th- Come on. I, or is it already here? No, nah, I am worried that this that this trade negotiation will not go as smoothly as forecast. And, yeah, I actually think that, that we will have some consequences that are unforeseen uh, from these – from these trade wars, they will hit the numbers in ways we don't expect, and I'm very and I am very concerned that the yield curve is going to uh, invert. Well, we had Uriel was saying, you know, he's not overly concerned about that this time. It doesn't always happen. If there's a well, correlation, that's when, that's when I asked Uriel, but you asked me. But there's a correlation, but it doesn't always follow. No, it doesn't. It doesn't and not. And nine, the economy's pretty darn good right now, right? I'm not saying it. it I mean, we're going to tank sooner or later. The economy, it always does. We live in a capitalist society. It tanks. It psych- runs I in cycles. I think I saw that the but bank credit analyst is saying maybe recession in 2020. And they're giving us a pass on 2019. And we're getting this great benefit from earnings. Earnings are coming and along now. They're, they're doing well. The Pepsi, tax cuts. Pepsi nailed it today. The tax cuts. 
I mean, so we're know, fine. Balance yeah, well, of the year. Know, why is this? Why is the end of the world? Why you know? Enjoy it while it lasts. You're still dumping money into your 401k. Of course. And yeah, oh, absolutely. I dumped the money. You never change that. No, I'm putting cash in taxable accounts. I'm, I'm, you know, I've taken some advice from you and others that you know I, I, I leave it in tax. I'm, I'm leaving in cash right now, new money. But this, this is these aren't big sums. I just don't want to buy stocks right now. They really, they're expensive. They may still go up, but they're expensive. Okay, Enjoy so it. stocks are kind of fully priced, and they may go higher from here. But uh, Tom Heath is not worried. Ladies and gentlemen, another great forecast. We cannot thank you enough for joining us again this week. Please remember that if you think you heard a recommendation to buy or sell any security on the forecast, you didn't. We're not telling you what stocks or bonds to buy or ETFs or anything else. If you think you heard us make a recommendation to change any allocation in your portfolio to stocks or bonds or to safe or to more risky, we didn't. Please talk to a financial advisor. Please talk to your financial professional, your CPA, somebody, or... Give us a call at Farr, Miller, and Washington. FarrMiller.com is our website. We have, you can call me. I'm happy to talk with you. And we have a great group of very talented, hugely experienced people who are very kind and uh, will listen and really try and help you with your financial future. Thank you so much again for listening. We're going to be back next week with another edition of the Farcast. Please share us on social media in Washington, D.C., uh, thanking you so much. I'm Michael Farr.